Do you ever feel like you are caught in the trap of overparenting? Today we are going to talk about fostering independence in our kids. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one. And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. So my face palm today is diverticulitis. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't here last week. Felicia did the podcast um, on her own because my poor husband had diverticulitis. And if you've never heard of it, just count yourself as lucky because it was rough. Oh, brutal. It was rough. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of pain over a kind of a long time with like a lot of scares. Like we were, anyway, I don't want to go into the details because, you know, you don't need to know all the details of diverticulitis, but you have to kind of watch to make sure something doesn't rupture and because it's an infection. And it was quite intense because I felt like, I felt like the whole week went by and I didn't actually do anything besides like Stress. fret over mm-hmm. him, you know, like yeah. monitoring like, okay, your temperature just went up. Oh no, this is one of those symptoms that they said to watch for. It was like totally, I don't know. Like I felt like it was like living in fight or flight for a long time. So anyway, that is my face palm diverticulitis. Oh, sounds miserable. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Seriously. I'm glad he's feeling a little bit better. Um, Okay, I just thought of this. So I have two high fives. So first high five really quick. Some mysterious fairy amazing magical person rearranged and cleaned our podcast room that we record in and guys Terlin and I multiple times have been like oh if only the room were like this and I feel like somebody it will like snap their fingers right then and made it exactly <laughs> how we were hoping it would be so it's like, amazing like they'd been listening to our conversation like it was amazing amazing yeah. it's like wowzer and it's so we record in like a shared kind of workspace at my husband's work and there's another person who records a podcast spencer and i think it was you so thank you and if not if it was a magic fairy thank you to the magic fairy it's amazing and his podcast is called (laughs) spirit of 38 for anybody who's interested in yes hero things yeah it is about comics um and then i have to do a second high five because uh my sister-in-law and terlin's little sister just had her baby (laughs) and his name is emmett and cutest thing ever and she rocked it and so Terilyn after her week of diverticulitis was then up <laughs> helping her through the birth and so anyway so I had to do that high five too cutest baby and oh, he is oh adorable gosh. and newborns oh it's the best ever it if, really is it if I could just do the birth and newborn thing I think I'd have 20 oh my gosh but it isn't just birth and newborns. No. So, you know, <laughs> then they get not. There's a lot more to yeah. it than that. <laughs> and they get a little tougher. And they're wonderful, but I just yeah. couldn't do 20 of those, you know. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Oh, he's so cute. And they smell so good. Oh, my God. And they're so snuggly and <laughs> floppy. It's so oh. cute. Oh, my goodness. They can't be beat. 
Okay, so on that note of kids and how they get harder, <laughs> we're going to talk about when they're not babies anymore, <laughs> how we want to raise them into adulthood. And we read this book called How to Raise an Adult by Julie Lithcott Hainsworth. And um, she, it was the dean of freshmen at Stanford University. And I mean, she went to Stanford herself and has this incredible list of accomplishments. And what she found when she was at Stanford University was that these young adults who are amazing. She's like, this isn't like an insult to the young adults. Like Mm -hmm. they are amazing young adults who she loves. They're wonderful. But she's seen how a trend over the years has been. And, you know, and there's like a lot of college people, university people throughout the whole nation who's saying there's like a wave of people who are at adult age, Mm -hmm. but don't have the capacity to act like adults. Mm -hmm specifically like guiding their own lives, making decisions for their own lives because their parents have done it for them their whole time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they may have been getting excellent grades and know how to go down a path, Mm -hmm. a very strenuous path to obviously if you're at Stanford, Mm -hmm. you've achieved a lot, Mm -hmm. but they're lacking like critical thinking skills, which is just the concept of solving your own problems, Mm -hmm. resilient, like emotional resilience, anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression way up Mm -hmm. because they can't, handle failure Mm -hmm. and so she gives like amazing 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 tips and she has like a lot of research behind her to tell us how can we you know because you don't want to be just negligent like you never you know you don't even love your kids Mm -hmm. but unfortunately even with good intentions I think all of this parenting has come with good intentions parents are just trying to give their kids everything they possibly can and help them succeed but unfortunately if we go too far on that spectrum then you end up up with kids who are adults but can't function as adults Mm -hmm. you know and she mentions things like um they they get into this arena where now it's i need to set up my electricity i need to i mean even little things like doing their own laundry and seeking out a counselor to even make a decision about what classes they want to take and they're having this anxiety because their whole life they've kind of been guided to do exactly what their parents set out for them so again it's such good intention it's just making them end up in a spot where they can't figure things out for themselves So she asked a couple of questions that I love. And she said, do you feel like your kids are running your life in an unnatural way? So she just emphasizes that you still have your life and you are their parent. And that's a huge part of your life. But you still personally should have your own goals, dreams and a life outside of your kids. And when you have that and we all have hopefully, maybe we don't all have, but a lot of us probably have role models that we've seen where you can feel their love and unconditional support, but you see them with their own goals, their own ideas and values, and it makes you like feel that striving, like, wow, they, I want to have my own goals and dreams because they do. So that's hopefully how you want to um, set yourself up with your kids. And it's kind of, wholeness it sounds like what you're saying is yeah when you're a whole person you haven't dissolved yourselves completely Mm -hmm. your entire identity hasn't dissolved into your children Mm -hmm. then you you can still maintain that 
you, your your kids can watch you see like, oh, that's what a whole person looks like. Mm-hmm. When I'm a parent, I'm going to work on also being whole. And that can look like just things like focusing on your own personal growth. It doesn't mean you have to be like, I don't ever do this with my kids because I have my own exactly. hobbies that yeah. I, I don't even involve them in. For me, it can be as simple as going back to our morning, morning routine time. and what our essentials are yes. that re- rejuvenate you. Yes. There are times in your life where, yeah, you <clears throat> spend a lot of time doing stuff with your kids, especially while they're small. Kid stuff, yeah. And I mean, speaking of babies, like they just require a lot of yes. work. Mm-hmm. But you can still maintain that, like what's happening inside of your mind. Are you doing things that light your fire still? Yeah. And you're just keeping yourself as a whole person. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like that concept that we can, I believe we really can retain our wholeness in every single stage of parenting. Mm-hmm. Even in the baby manual stage, the teenage stage. Yep. I think it's actually critical that we maintain our wholeness. And part of it is, so we've talked about like holding those boundaries around what you feel is important for you and, and you have those intentions, your kids know them and holding those boundaries. So that's, that's with you. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to facilitate that intrinsic motivation in your kids. Um, And so Julie talks about Julie, (laughs) my friend Jules. (laughs) this book she talks about the mother robin approach and i love this because it's such a visual concept but so she says a lot of us chew up life and regurgitate it for our kids in imaginable in a manageable form this is not a direct quote but we assess the risk avert them to an easier path praise them at every turn for even minuscule things we go to bat for them and their problems correct their homework drive them everywhere solve their problems Sometimes even do their homework, she do says. Do their homework. She like did a lot of stuff yes. about, like uh, surveys about how many parents actually do. Yes. Like all of their kids' homework. Yes. <laughs> Which I was just telling Felicia, I've already done so much homework in my life. <laughs> Please I've no. already gone through it once. Like I'm Please not doing no. more homework. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think this, if only for that little nugget, this book was such a good read because it was, it made me think I will never, because it sounded so miserable. And, and I couldn't even imagine my parents doing my homework for me. No. Like it was. Yeah. They just let me manage. They yeah. just let me manage it. Yeah, which I love. Exactly, and it is a lot. Homework is a lot. It is, and, and that's I'm discussion. an advocate for less homework. Yes, <laughs> yes. Both Felicia and I take the homework away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, especially while they're little. Yes. So if we're doing all those things for them, and they might seem like little, but they compound and lead up to, and then are we dreaming for them and deciding their career? And basically, we're kind of taking away their. Um, intrinsic motivation and so she talks about how you're inhibiting their ability to master anything so they sort of feel just like "Eh, I can't do I don't feel ownership over anything so it leads to a separation anxiety in adult children so then they go off to college and all this anxiety and depression is coming up so rampantly and she her thing is that one of the pathways to it is that, that they just don't feel mastery over their own life. Mm -hmm. She even says she's met many doctorate students. So this isn't just freshmen in college. Yeah. These are doctorate students who, you know, they'll be touring the campus with their parents and, and after discussing with them, it's like the parents have actually chosen all the way up until their doctor. Like this is what you'll study. In fact, she talked about a few, you know, well, not, many many kids who are kind of having this crisis of like turns out i actually don't even like i don't even want to be a lawyer yeah. you know what i mean but i'm here and yes. i'm taking the bar yeah i'm finished now what do i even mm-hmm. do because they've never 
given really been given the freedom to say what is it that drives you Mm -hmm. and you know the parents fear is well what if I let them choose though and they choose art instead of law right but in the end what if and and something she points out that I really love we all grow up with a certain amount of uh money Mm -hmm. and a lifestyle that you're used to and one of her suggestions is to kind of let go that your kids may not choose something that gives them the same same. Mm -hmm. lifestyle as you. Mm -hmm. But when you let them actually make that choice, they're going to find a lot more fulfillment. Totally. And actually I've read a lot of stuff in other books that say your chances of actually being more financially free go up when you, when you're doing something that you chose yourself. Totally. You know what I mean? And I think it's going back to that. We've talked about like the intention um, over, I, I still, I think expectation is a fine word. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've tried to hash <laughs> out the word expectation and we haven't successfully come to conclusion, but having the, inten- so parenting from a, taking out your ego, parenting from a state of presence with your child instead of, uh, my kid will get straight A's and they're going to get an academic and a sports scholarship and they're going to go to this school. And it sounds really, she gives examples of like parents whose kids are going into like, you know, these army schools are really like intense um, academic programs and they the parents are like moving to these places to help them through it. And that sounds so extreme, but... I think it just compounds when you <clears throat> think about, like you do want your kid to be successful so you can see how you end up there. Mm-hmm. If you like look down the path, you can see how if I can't even let go of letting my kid show up to school without their homework because I'm afraid of the embarrassment or the failure that they'll, they'll fail, you can see how you end up hitching a ride mm-hmm. to their college with them. <laughs> You're living a block away just having yeah. just in case. Yeah, it can go down that path. <laughs> It can. And the, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And the interesting concept, and, and I love actually when she talks about West Point, because, yeah, yes. it's a military school, yes. high academics, I mean, really an awesome place. And she's like, I mean, they literally have people who are like, the the leaders who are like, you have to leave, parents. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you, you must have to leave. <laughs> these children are not children anymore. They're yes. adults. Yes. But something that's interesting, the concept to me here is, all of all of overparenting, helicoptering, mother robining, whatever mm-hmm. you you know, all these lovely terms. Or have you heard the term lawnmower parent? Instead of even helicopter hovering, you're just mowing <laughs> down all obstacles in their path. <laughs> That's awesome. You can you can see the tendency to do that. It all comes from a place of really good intention. I mean it, does. Love. it comes yeah. out of a loving place. Yeah. But I think it's this is like a perfect place to talk about. So we've talked about unconditional love. We have a pod I mean, we have an episode legitimately mm-hmm. about unconditional love. But this that we're talking about, it's interesting because it's actually, I think, does damage to the unconditional love concept. Mm-hmm. Because unconditional love is, I love you for who you truly are, and I am here to help cultivate like a gardener, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about that too, to help see what you're going to turn out, but I'm not choosing what you. tree you're going to be. She actually compares bonsai tree, children not not bonsai trees. Like we can't grow them and prune them into the exact shape we want mm-hmm. them. She's like, she actually says, we should push them more like wildflowers. Mm-hmm. We cultivate them, we water them, we give them all the opportunities, but we don't know exactly how they're going to turn out, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what color their petals are going to be or mm-hmm. anything. Like it's just, mm-hmm. if you kind of let go of that, they're not a bonsai tree, 
they're their own being and we're just cultivating them. That is actually more unconditional love because what a lot of, again, that she's saying these kids are feeling, even if parents don't say it, it comes from a place of, I know my parents love me. I know they care about me, but I also know that the pressure to do exactly what they want me to do particularly if you have a parent who's dissolved their life into yours. Mm -hmm. So imagine this, you're a kid, you can see your mother or your father who's dissolved their entire wholeness. They're not even their whole person anymore. They are so focused into you that they've given up all the things in their life just to help you succeed. So of course, you know, yeah, of course I know they love me. Mm -hmm. In fact, this one boy she talks about, he said, every time I feel resentful about it, then I feel guilty for feeling resentful because she's given me everything. She's done everything for me. But... The, the underlying message that comes through this unintentionally is that if, so she's given up so much for me, if I don't do what she's wanting, what she's given up so much for me to have, if I don't go to Harvard and study law and I choose something else or do anything that she doesn't want me to, that feels like not unconditional love. It feels mm-hmm. conditional. It feels like I'm letting my parents totally down. I'm not who they want me to be. And perhaps then that love is conditional, even though the parent never intentionally said that. Mm -hmm. It's like the opposite of true unconditional love, which is I love you for being you and I'm here to support you, but you are your own person Mm -hmm. and I am choosing to love you in your own independence, in your wholeness. That's Mm -hmm. unconditional love. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and we've obviously, we've talked about when you have extreme punishments and stuff like that, how that's withdrawing unconditional love. Mm -hmm. But then you have this whole other realm of, it's not necessarily punishments. In fact, there's no direct, I'm not going to love you if you don't do this. But you unintentionally make that happen when you put all of your whole thing into, I'm going to will you into this one path. Mm -hmm. And... I'm going to control every aspect of your life mm-hmm. in a, as loving a way as I can, but yeah. it turns out as the opposite of unconditional love. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's yep. like this, it's really a paradox yep. that, that I think it's important to like show that just to, you know, mm-hmm. to look, look at, at that it. together, mm-hmm. that when we're talking about unconditional love, when we overparent, we're actually kind of damaging the concept of unconditional love. Yep. Do you agree? Yep. I, I totally agree. We have to find that balance and get, get somewhere in the middle of that. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with some tips on how we can go down that path. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about independence. Um, One thing that I want to point out that I think is really helpful to remember is that all of us are responsible for our own wholeness and our own happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some of us sometimes feel like other people are responsible for those things. And of course, I'm not suggesting that we don't affect each other. Of course we do. But in the end our own wholeness is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it's definitely not our kids' responsibility. Right. So I think it's something that we can do that it's just, and sometimes this can take a conversation with our kids that, you know, maybe I haven't putting my happiness on you and that isn't something that you can carry. You shouldn't have to carry my happiness on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. You're carrying your own, you're in charge of your own wholeness, your own happiness. And we're not meant to be happy all the time anyway. So Mm -hmm. even as I say that word, really wholeness is probably the best thing. You're responsible for your own wholeness and your own emotions. So if we want our kids to be able to be responsible for their own wholeness and their own processing their own emotions, we have to be able to do that ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us as parents, we unintentionally, put that on them. Like, well, if you don't do these things, then I'm going to be sad and depressed. And therefore Mm -hmm. that's why you should do these things, Mm -hmm. which is not an intrinsic motivation at all. In fact, it just creates this kind of codependence, unhealthy, emotional baggage situation. Mm -hmm. So really we can all be more free. Mm -hmm. If you just kind of picture in your mind, I'm going to take my own homeless now back on my shoulders. And of course do we, we're all helping each other as much as yeah, we can. We're caring but, for each other. But I'm not going to put my happiness and my wholeness on my kids. Or, um, because, yeah, opposite of happiness, I'm not going to put my my depression or my sadness mm-hmm. on the shoulders of my children. Mm-hmm. I'm going to release them of that. Yeah. I'm going to take it back for myself. And same thing, which will teach them to do it for their, themselves. And yeah. again, I think it's an intentional thing that we do. And when you get into psychology, there's actually a lot of, when you, if you go to therapy, they can teach you how to like kind of unhook. Yeah, you're not responsible for your parents' happiness. Mm-hmm. And so if you just choose that now, I'm not going to put that on my kids. Mm-hmm. That'll save them some therapy time later. So. Yep, exactly. And <laughs> okay, <clears throat> before I s- ask these couple questions, I wanted you guys to think about. Someone pointed out to me <laughs> that I clear my throat a lot and asked why. <laughs> There is no reason. There is no medical <laughs> reason why I clear my throat. Some people say, um... I'm sorry. I didn't even notice that I do this, but now on to my questions. (laughs) So the first one, if you just think about if, are you feeling, so Terilyn likes to say, I'm not feeling overwhelmed, but I'm feeling a little whelmed. (laughs) And I love that term because we're always going to feel whelmed in parenting. It's, I mean, we, if you have any kids or if you have lots of kids or it's sometimes going to be a lot of work. A lot of times it's going to be a lot of work. And anything in life, you're going to have moments of overwhelm where you, yes. where you yes. cross over that thin balance Threshold. between whelm yeah. to overwhelm. So yeah. that, that happens sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but if you are always feeling overwhelmed, I think it's important to take a step back and think in what areas could, by, could I be overparenting? So our schedule's packed a little bit too full with sports, school, play dates, all these things mashed up together. Um, Am I taking my kid's life on as my own life? Or I think this one's a super important one to look at. Are my kids constantly like almost like a movie, like on pause waiting for my direction? So when we do have some downtime and some free time, are they running off and finding their own things to do? Are they grabbing their own snack of the hunger, they're tying their own shoes, these little minuscule things, but all added up. If you're doing every single thing for your kid, you are going to feel overwhelmed every single day. Because that's so, too much for a person to take much. on. It's the same concept. You're taking on a whole person's every life. aspect of their life onto you, which mm-hmm. we can't, we actually can't do yeah. healthily. Right? Yeah. 
So she talks about that it's kind of, we're in an epidemic of overparenting. It's stressing us all out. And we all feel like parenting is an emergency or a crisis. And this is coming off of other generations that were doing some other things that maybe weren't as healthy, but, you know, like families who were like farming and everybody's pulling almost equal weight or even like then there was a wave of like kids are, to be seen and not heard like this. So there's like balance and all of this. But if we can pull a little bit, I think there is some real wisdom in a type of parenting that looks at our kids as really capable and mm-hmm. able yeah. to do stuff on their own. And gives them ownership. Yeah. Which is a whole nother discussion for another time. But mm-hmm. ownership is the antidote to entitlement. Mm-hmm. And all of this we're talking going to be talking about for the rest of this episode, these tips is a way to teach your kid ownership over their own abilities yep. really you know exactly. what i mean totally. but they are capable they can do it mm-hmm. we can do it and we can let them yeah <laughs> you know like oh we can do go. it <laughs> so she uh julie referenced a list from family family which is apparently like the longest running parenting website ever hmm. it's impressive um and they have a really cool comprehensive list of age ranges and they break down so within this age age blank to blank your kid should be able to do X. So I'm going to give you a couple examples, but we'll just link this because I think I like seriously just have it on hand because I'm like, okay, this is my kid's age. Can they do this? So age two to three, they should be able to do small chores and basic grooming. So help putting away toys, dressing themselves with little help, putting clothes in like a dirty clothes place, Clearing plates after meals. That's awesome. A two-year-old who can clear his plate. I I don't think my two-year-old's very good at that. But guess what? I read this list and I'd been doing it with Cohen, right? Who's four. But, and I mean, Len would sometimes copy him, but I saw this and I'm like, yeah. And now he does it every single time. And Mm -hmm. it's like, he can so do it, but I didn't even think about it. Do you have him scrape it into the garbage and load it in the dishwasher? And then just put in like the hot water in the sink. Oh, Okay. Because my two-year-old, right he'll then. take his plate, but then he usually just hands it to whoever we have doing the doing sink the dishes, stuff, you know. Which I think is the same concept, right? And obviously, all of these are going to adapt to yes, your yes, family. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah, yeah, get yeah. hung up on that one, but I'm just picturing... I, I, what but I, I love that this is two to three, though, because when you start with just exactly. them taking their plate over to the sink, yes. then maybe when they're three, maybe they can actually, like yours, can actually put Rinse it in. You know what I mean? put it in. Yeah, So you exactly. start with wherever. Even with the dressing... The thing I love about this, if you're hearing these lists and you're feeling overwhelmed with the dressing, you start with just, you start at whatever age, a small mm-hmm. age. Can you put your foot in here as you hold the pants? Yes. Can yeah. you put your arm in here? Now I'm going to put it over your head, whatever. And then slowly they just do one little step more at a time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a three-year-old who isn't doing this and like you're all of a sudden have to be like, you're Get doing this all by now. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> do a step, you know, yeah. like, so now you pull it up. Oh, look, mm-hmm. so I just put it on. Now you pull it all the way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so a couple things on ages four to five. And so all the things on the previous list should, you know, now be mastered. And then they should know their full name, address, phone number to reach you, how to call 911, um, simple cleaning chores, feeding pets, br- taking care of their own, like kind of brushing hair, brushing teeth, age six to seven, basic cooking. I'm just running through these. Yeah, there's more there's on this more. list making their bed without assistance, bathing unsupervised, um, age eight to nine, taking pride in personal belongings. So folding clothes, caring for outdoor toys, such as their bike, putting it away, 
Um, and the cool thing is when I was going through these lists, you know, like you read through them and you're like, ooh, my five-year-old can already do that on the age 10 list or whatever. And then so you're like getting a little pumped up and then you read like five other things and you're like, wow, I need to work on this. <laughs> so it's a really, I love this list because with each section, so ages 10 to 13 then is gaining independence. So staying home alone, making purchases at the store, changing on bed sheets. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is in the nine-year-old stage, create a grocery list. The thing I love about referring to this is you're actually teaching your kids I mean, I think anybody who's been to college and lived with roommates, mm-hmm. we've all seen people who you get to college and they don't even know how to like eat food, I swear. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. So little things like this, you can learn, you can learn when you're nine how to make a grocery list. Yes. Those are like life skills, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Super important. Yeah. Um, ages 14, 18, more advanced, understanding medicine labels and dosages, filling gas with car, sophisticated cleaning and maintenance, interviewing. Um, young adults preparing to live on their own. So making dentists and doctor's appointments, basic financing understanding, contracts, oil changes and car maintenance, scheduling those. So we're going to link this because there are there's a ton on here and I love to have it as a visual like reference. So we will link this. Mm-hmm. But I think the concept here is our kids are capable of a lot more than a lot of times we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And so... We have this list, okay, so we can, I love this because it really breaks it down easily. So you can look at this and say, okay, here's the things, here's our goals in my mind that I'm hoping to help my kids achieve. Mm -hmm. So then how can we help them acquire the skills? So there was a a step-by-step breakdown that's pretty simple. So with all things with kids, we do it for them first. And then like with the dressing thing, a lot of times we do it with them and then we watch them do it. So we're there for support. And then they get to step four, which is do it completely on their own. Um, and the key with them doing it on their own, so say it's getting dressed, you have to let go of perfection. So you can say, you know, you try to put your shirt on the right way, not backwards, not inside <laughs> out, but their so- socks might not match and all the things. So mm-hmm. we have to like let go of that perfection a little bit. And let's be honest, it's kind of cute when you so see a kid cute. with their shirt on backwards. It's so cute. My actually favorite is when they wear their shorts backwards. So they have like the little back pockets in the front. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> They've never done that? Oh, I think it's so cute. And but it doesn't, it's adorable. It doesn't last very long. Like they usually only do it, you know, like <laughs> my five-year-old doesn't do it anymore. But when he was like maybe three or four. That's he did so it maybe cute. five times total, but I thought it was so cute because they're trying, it's you adorable. know, it's so cute. Oh, I love that. It's probably because my kids are obsessed with the button. Oh, oh. so they're very into. OK, now I'm trying to do the button, which, wow, that was like six straight months of trying to learn how to do the <laughs> like the kind of button that goes in the hole and back out. It's like, I'm gonna that's go hard crazy. for me. That's I know. Me. Seriously. So so that. Just thinking of that list. So, but I think the key is then to let it go if it's not perfect. Yeah. Chores, helping you cook, any of that. It's way easier and we're going to do it way better than them. So. Yes. And if we're freaking out at them all the time for they tried and they just didn't do it perfect, then guess what? It's going to make them just not want to do it. Yes. Because they're going to be afraid of not doing it perfectly. Yeah. So, totally. yeah, I'm with you. Totally. Um, and then some other tips that kind of... And it's also hard just not to correct them. Oh, like, yeah. I actually have to stop myself sometimes. Not not to correct... When you're teaching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, try it this way. But it's when they finish, and they did a fair job, yeah. and you can tell it was their best. Mm-hmm. Not right, then just like... And, like, I've actually had to stop myself, because there was, like, this one time where I was like, I almost just, like, Wiped reached it. in and just <laughs> did it myself. And I was like, you know what? 
Nope. Yeah. If they wake, you know, and even if you do it when they're not seeing it, but they come back and they're like, oh, my mom just redid that whole yeah. thing. Why did I even, Why did do, I even that? do it? You're wanting to show them what you do matters mm-hmm. in our house. It matters. Totally. You know? Yep. Because that is the whole concept behind it is they're feeling that um, ownership and that contribution to a team like that mm-hmm. to the household. We all want meaning. Yeah, exactly. In fact, that's proven like mm-hmm. over and over concretely. Mm-hmm. Meaning in life is huge. And when we're part of a team, it gives us meaning. Exactly. Okay, so some other tips is normalize struggle. So if they see you having a hard time learning something new or if they're having a hard time just just normalizing it, it's okay mm-hmm. to feel uncomfortable learning something new. Yeah, and when I first learn something, I'm not doing it perfectly yeah. either. Yeah, So yeah, exactly. I'm with you. And then prepare them to be, to be wrong and this will lead to resilience. So if they're always, yay, you walked and you're the most amazing person ever in their house and then they go outside or they go to school or they go to these other places where they're not getting this overwhelming praise for doing little things, then one, they're not going to care because they're not getting all the gold stars all the time and they don't have that resilience. So when they are, say, helping with chores and stuff, um, Julie, Julie talks about it's, you want to recognize it, but it doesn't need to be like overkill. Like, guess what? You pee in the toilet too. So thank you for cleaning it. But it's not like, (gasps) it's so shiny. Like you did the toilet. I'm so, you know, like Mm -hmm. the over, over, overkill Mm -hmm. will help them Mm -hmm. with that intrinsic motivation. And gratitude is whenever you're wondering, like, what should I say when they did this? Instead of being like, you are, yeah, you are the best in the Mm -hmm. world because you just loaded the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. A simple, thank you so much for loading the dishwasher. Like, yeah. And it actually feels better inside of kids. Totally. And it's not this like over the top. Yes. Yes. And another good thing to remember when all these concepts of teaching kids to do things, if you ever are wondering, am I eight kids age? Should they be able to do this? Because, and all kids have different developmental processes. The concept is, if you think they could do it by themselves, give them the chance to try. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the idea, right? And if they need help, then you help them. But that's always kind of a good, for your own kid at their age, if you're wondering, just ask yourself that question. Do I think they could do it? Do I think they could be doing this themselves? And if I'm doing it all the time, then I'm going to step back and maybe this is going to be something I'm going to let go of and pass the baton on to them. Totally. And there's nothing better than seeing your kid all of a sudden come in with this thing they've mastered. Yes. I mean... It doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. It's just the cutest thing. It's so cute. Um, okay. And then with, <clears throat> on a little bit different note, so this is things that they're trying to learn. But then when it comes to kind of discipline and those sort of things, and we've talked about this before, so we're just going to touch on it lightly, but if we can let our kids handle their own age-appropriate conflicts and situations. Um, so we've we've mentioned Janet Lansbury is a great resource for this. Um, siblings without rivalry that book is really good but so we're allowing struggle within so through play and through these little tiffs and fights and struggles and um, conversations that our kids have with siblings or other friends playing outside it is proven that through their little process even if it looks messy and it's not how we would have solved it um, that's how they learn to be social 
animals and to be able to go to school and go to college and go to the workplace and solve their own problems. So can we get comfortable with their process, even if it doesn't look exactly how we want it to look and be okay with their disagreement and how they solve it? Just take a step back. And if you practice this while they're young, the goal is, right, then you won't be having to, like, have meetings with their boss later. Yes. (laughs) She gives examples of that in the book of, I mean, these high-paying jobs where a parent will come in and be like, I need to talk to you because this isn't working for my kid. Uh And usually the kid just ends up getting fired after that because it's like, sorry, your parent, I'm not, I didn't hire your parent. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, that's what we're trying to avoid (laughs) in this situation. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so to tie it up, um, so first, just take a step back, like we always do, pause. Am I overly overwhelmed? Am I feeling like my kid's life, am I dissolved into my kid's life? Is their life my life? Or do I have my mm-hmm. own stuff? Mm-hmm. So check that out. Second one, am I overparenting? Like how, how can I simplify this? How can I take some of this off of me and have them do it. Our schedule's a little bit too packed. Our our um, expectations too high. And then um, the last thing is take a look at this list that we're going to put in the notes and um, do these steps to over time slowly help your kids achieve these things on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think the most beautiful probably word in this that Janet Lansbury says all the time is to trust. Yeah, trust that your kid's mm-hmm. process is the process, process for them. Trust yep. the process. So yep. this is a good time we just let go and trust. Exactly. All right, let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>